Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Howard Hendricks from Dallas Theological Seminary has a quote. He says this, In the midst of a generation screaming for answers, he says, Christians are stuttering. In the midst of a generation that is screaming for answers, Howard Hendricks says, Christians are stuttering. In other words, we don't have the answers. In other words, we haven't dug into the Word of God to glean the answers. In other words, we have, for some reason, I don't know if it's fear of the unknown, or the culture we live in today, or the society that we're in today, something has caused us to just zip it. I don't know about you, I remember as a boy, there was an old saying that I heard growing up, maybe some of you heard it growing up as well, if you really want to get along with people, and I heard this maybe on, more on the business side than anything else, and many of my, several of my family own their own businesses, do different things, and, and I heard this lingo, this talk growing up, if you want to be successful in business, there's two things you can't talk to your customers about, you probably know what those two things are, what, politics, and religion. If you want to have a great successful business, just don't even venture into those two areas with your customers. You may lose them when you start talking about politics or religion. Well, unfortunately, sometimes I think we've brought that into the church. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know, I don't like to talk a lot of politics at church. Hello? I believe there's some godly Democrats and there's some godly Republicans. Maybe you didn't like what I just said. Hello? I am not going to let a political party separate me from friendship or fellowship with another brother or sister in Christ. Hello? And you know what? I don't care who you voted for. That's between you and God, and it's none of my business. Hello? But there's one thing we will talk about. We will talk about religion. We will talk about salvation. We will talk about Christianity. We will talk about the Word of God. We will talk about principles. But guys, let's be careful. Let's be careful with our politics. And I know we live in a politically crazed world. A lot of times we listen to all that junk all week long and we think that's the lesson on Sunday morning. It, is, it isn't. Come on now. Stay with me. It isn't. What is the lesson? It's the Word of God. Okay? Let God. You, you see, sometimes I think what we need to quit doing is quit being the Holy Spirit for everybody. 
Realize there's a God in heaven. There's a Holy Spirit that's always at work. It's not my job to bring you under conviction. It's not my job to point out every weakness or flaw in your life. It's my, God to sh- my, my job to share the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit of God do that. Hello? I remember when I first started preaching. Boy, I struggled with that. I mean, I would preach and I'd pour my heart out and I would study and I'd prepare and I would preach what I thought was with power and, 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 and just, just expected people to get up out of their seats and flood down to the altar and get right with God. And when there was no movement, I felt like a failure. Finally, I had a wise old pastor put his arm around me and he said, John, he said, what you are doing, you're taking, trying to take the place of the Holy Spirit. It's not your job to make anybody do anything. It's your job to share what the word says and let them stand before God and give account of themselves. Boy, when I got a hold of that, it it just really almost it was like. Just a ton of bricks were lifted off my shoulder. What freedom came when I realized it wasn't my job to police everyone and be the Holy Spirit for everyone. That's God's job. Hello? My job is just to share the Word of God. To share it in love. To share it with a smile. Listen, I believe we can preach hard without a frown on our face and hitting somebody. You know, we can preach with love. Hello? We can preach the Word of truth with conviction and power, with love and a smile. Why? Because God loves us. Hello? And it's not my job. You see, repentance, whenever we repent, the only way we can repent is when the Holy Spirit of God has convicted our hearts and our lives and our lifestyle or our decisions or whatever it may be that we're doing, not because so-and-so tells me I need to repent. When the Holy Spirit of God convicts me and draws me, and I don't know, sometimes in our society today, I think maybe because of so much persecution being on Christianity and, and the bad lot that we get in the public today, uh, Howard Hendricks says that we as Christians are stuttering. Bill Bright said this, and he's going on to be with the Lord now, but he said this. He said, millions of surveys which we have helped take around the world indicate that approximately, get this, 98% of Christians do not regularly introduce others to the Savior. 98% of Christians do not engage in a conversation where they share their faith and where they introduce others to Christianity and to the Savior. Well, in our lesson this morning, in Luke chapter number 3, we ran across an individual that didn't have any problem preaching his message, sharing his faith. And he was not stuttering, he was not stammering, he was preaching what thus saith the Lord. And we see John the Baptist, where John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. If you remember last week I shared with you one of the four cornerstones that we need to build in our life is how we need to build relationships with unbelievers. We need to build relationships with unchurched folk. We don't need to condemn them. We don't need to throw stones at them. We don't need to ridicule them. We need to love them, build a relationship with them, and build a bridge to them and hopefully bring them into the body of Christ. Hello? Well, there's a great story, a great illustration of repentance and a bridge builder taking place in Luke chapter number 19. I know our theme today is on repentance. And I believe we see repentance in action in Luke chapter number 19. Now, Aviana is not here this morning, is she? 
I'm looking for Becky's niece. Becky's not here this morning. I was visiting with Jerry and Becky this week. Al and I went and visited them, and, and Aviana was there, and she's got the little kid's song about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And I told her, I said, I am preaching on Zacchaeus Sunday morning, and if you come to church Sunday morning, right before I preach, I'm going to let you stand up and sing Zacchaeus was a wee little man. So I just wanted to make sure she was not here because I promised her that I'd let her sing right before I preach. So she's not here this morning. But I want to preach, and I'm not going to sing the song to you, okay? So no need to fear. I'm not going to sing it to you. But turn in your Bibles, Luke chapter number 19. I want us to look at what I think is a tremendous example of an individual that is, that is showing us what repentance truly is. And also, there's some lessons I believe that we can learn from our Lord, from the Lord Jesus Christ, that can help us reach unbelievers reach the unchurched. So if you're taking notes on the back of your worship folder, the first thing I want you to jot down, to reach the unchurched and to reach unbelievers, the first thing we must do, we must pay attention to those around us. Pay attention to those around us. Now in Luke chapter 19, Brother John came a while ago and read this passage to you. In verse number 1 it says, He, that he is Jesus, He entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, Jericho was about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. Jesus was in the area of Judea and Jerusalem. He was doing ministry there. And and you'll see where he, he did some tremendous miracles there. And he was touching the hearts and lives of people. And he runs across this rich tax collector in Luke chapter number 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. Now, to be the chief tax collector meant that he had tax collectors working under him. And a lot of times he would be the one that would negotiate contracts on what people would pay into their taxes. Now, you got to understand, the tax collectors were hated more than anyone else in the region. Because the way they got their income was by manipulating dollars out of your budget into theirs. In other words, they got you to pay more taxes than what you should pay, and the more they could get you to pay, the more they lined their pockets. That was that Zacchaeus, okay? Now, that's not to say, I guess, a lot of times you think, well, maybe he was crooked, maybe he wasn't. The Word of God doesn't tell us, but the practice tells us that this was probably a very manipulating, scheming, conniving type of an individual that made his living by drawing and getting your tax money and the more he could get uh, or the more he got above what was due of course is what he lined his own pockets with he's a very wealthy man is what i want you to see he was a tax collector the bible says the last part that he was rich now i think what's very interesting is i was unpacking luke chapter 19 i went back a chapter or two you go back into chapter number uh 18 and you go back in chapter 18 you see where jesus ran into another rich man That's the rich young ruler. You remember what our Lord told him to do? To go and sell all of his possessions and give to the poor. And and that that really hurt him. And matter of fact, he went away saddened by that. And we never see where the rich young ruler came to the Lord. So really, in, in, in two short chapters, or two chapters right here, we see where Jesus is dealing with two rich people. The rich young ruler and this tax collector. And how one came to Christ, one experienced a relationship with Jesus by repenting of his sins, and of course the other went away sad. Just thought I'd draw that to your attention. In verse number 3 it says he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. 
So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. I've heard some preachers, whenever they outline Luke chapter number 19, I've seen a heading like this. It said, short man, tall tree, gracious Jesus. Well, that's, that's pretty catchy. Short man, tall tree, gracious Lord. Anyhow, he was a short man. He climbed up in this tall tree. It says in verse number five, when Jesus came to the place, I want you, if you underline in your Bibles or mark in your Bibles, I want you to circle the words came to the place. When Jesus came to the place, it said that he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today I must stay at your house. Whenever I talk about reaching the unchurched, whenever I talk about reaching the unbelievers, whenever I'm talking about sharing the gospel with someone so the Holy Spirit of God can do a work in their heart and convict them and draw them unto himself, the first thing we must do is what Jesus is doing, pay attention to those around us. Jesus was passing by Jericho. As a matter of fact, the Word of God tells us that Zacchaeus was seeking after Jesus, but in reality, I think Jesus was seeking after Zacchaeus more than Zacchaeus was really seeking after him. I mean, Zacchaeus just wanted to climb the tree to look at him. Jesus wanted to have a relationship with him. Hello? And we see where Jesus is passing by, and I want you to notice the first thing he did, he paid attention to those around him. Could it be... The reason that Bill Bright says in his survey and their research years ago that 98% of believers never share their faith. Could it be that we have not come to the place where we pay attention to the spiritual needs of those around us? You see, whenever we come to the place, the Bible says Jesus came to the place and he looked up. Whenever we come to the place of really working on our relationship with God, as we are growing closer and closer to Him, we then will have a desire and a burden on our heart for the things that our Lord has on His heart. Matter of fact, what is that? Verse number 10 says that the Son of Man came to do what? Seeking to save those that were lost. That's His cry. That's His heartbeat. That's His passion. And guys, the closer we get to the Lord, when we get to the place, where is that? I just believe that's real close to Jesus. When we get to the place that we put the Lord above our finances. When we get to the place we put the Lord above our own careers. When we get to the place we put the Lord and His ministry above our own needs. When we get to the place we put the Lord and His ministry and His will seeking and saving that which was lost more than our own reputation or our own status quo. Listen, when we come to the place where we are concerned about the things that Jesus is concerned about, then... We will look around and we'll be concerned about the spiritual well-being of those that are around us. My question to you today, have you come to the place? Have you come to the place that you are concerned, that you are paying attention, paying attention to those that are around you? On your sermon notes there, I have a little JPEG, a little picture there, what I call the, what's called the five circles of influence. And it's not original with me. You see it everywhere you go in the religious circles and Christianity, especially evangelism. Now, I don't know if you can see that real well, and, and it's kind of small on your own uh, little notes there, but I want you to know that every single one of us influences someone. There is a, a circle of people that we influence that is all around us, and I want to ask you a question. Have you come to the place where you are paying attention to them, to their spiritual well-being? 
Now let me give them to you real quickly. Right in the center of the circle, and then you see there's six rings, right in the center is self. I mean, that's where it's got to begin. We ourselves must have a personal relationship with the Lord, and we must be cultivating that. We must be drawing near to Him. We must be reading His Word and in prayer, our devotion time, and and working on that relationship with our God. It starts with ourselves. But the second circle, and it's up on the top, it's the second ring outside of self, that is, you may need to write it down, that's our immediate family. Now you'll notice there's five lines, there's five blanks. You may need more, you may not need five. But I want you to think about your immediate family. Have you come to the place where you are paying attention to their spiritual condition? And that is the first place, well, the second place we start, first place with ourselves, but then we go out to our immediate family. And there we should be praying for them, we should be witnessing to them, we should be sharing God's word with them in a loving way, not condemning, not rebuking, not hitting them over the head with a Holy Ghost hammer. Hello? You know, not nagging all the time, not ridiculing, not blasting, not condemning. Guys, you get what I'm saying? That's not our job. Our job is to share with them in love. Are you with me? Share with them. Our immediate family. There's five blanks there. I want you to start writing down your immediate family. Write their names in there. And then I want you to think about their spiritual condition. And if they are not, if they have not entered into a relationship with Christ, that ought to be our number one goal in the year 2011 is that we reach out to them and minister to them and love on them and share the truths of God's word with them. With our immediate family. The second circle, just to the right, is not only our immediate family, but the third blank is, or the third circle there, is our relatives. That's our extended family. That gets on out to aunts and uncles and cousins and nieces and nephews and so forth and so on. Reach out to our extended family. Have we come to the place, church, get this, have we come to the place where we are paying attention to the spiritual needs of our family, our relatives? And I hope there's some lines, you can, blanks you can fill in there with some names. And then we'll get you to do something with this in just a moment. The next block there, number four, the next ring, the next circle, close friends. I want you to think about friends of the family. I want you to think about your friends. I want you to write some names down there, okay? Write some names down there. Think about some of your close friends. The fifth circle down at the lower left are your work associates slash neighbors. Work associates slash neighbors. Have we come to the place that we are concerned about their spiritual well-being? If so, then we're going to be sharing with them. We're going to be loving on them. We're going to be building relationships with them. We're going to be interacting with them. And then number six at the top left, these are acquaintances. I mean, these are just people that God just brings into your life and and you meet and and you're concerned about their spiritual well-being. And it may be the bag boy at the grocery store or it may be whoever services and takes care of your car or whoever comes to the house or maybe the mailman, whoever the clay. That's you, Harold. The mailman, whoever it is, whatever it is, these acquaintances that you have. We need to be concerned about them. So I want you to take that and, and write down some names. Now, maybe you've already started writing some names and that's good. But I'd really like you to take this with you and get real serious about your circles of influence and really start plugging in some names there. And if you don't do anything else, at least you can take that and pray for them 
and really pray that God gets a hold of their heart and gets a hold of their life. Guys, we must be bombarding heaven on the behalf of others around us. Hello? We must mediate between a holy God and a lost people and bring them to Jesus. Hello? We must pray for them. Are we doing that? The Bible says that when Jesus passed through Jericho, that he paid attention to those around him, and he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus, and I want you to know that he even called him by name. Number two, jot this one down. Take time to know the names of those around you. Take time to know the names of those around you. Not only pay attention to those around you, but take time to get to know those around you. Look what it says in the latter part of verse number five. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, what's the first thing he said? What, what is it? Zacchaeus? He called him by name. And guys, let me ask you, in your circles of influence, maybe I, I guess hopefully outside your immediate family and your relatives, what about a work, the work associates and, and the neighbors and those acquaintances? Do you know the names of these individuals? Get to know the name. Take the time to know the names of those people around you. Jesus called this man, which was lost, which was a sinner. He called him by name. And we must take time to care about people enough that we slow down to get to know them a little bit and get to know their names, get to know their situation, get to know what's troubling them, get to know what their life is about. We must take time, friends, to slow down and get to know people a little bit. Hello? Let's build those relationships with those that don't know Christ. Let's get to know their names. Let's call their names out in prayer to God. But then let's interact with them some and know, call them by name and get to know them a little bit. Hello? Nothing wrong with that. We should be doing that as believers if we're going to lead people to repentance. And, of course, we're going to see that Zacchaeus does repent. We see that Jesus not only took time to pay attention to see who's around him, but secondly, he took time to know the name. He knew Zacchaeus' name. Now, I did a little research on how many friends does the average person have. Really, after doing the research, I was a little bit discouraged because a whole lot of people don't have a whole lot of friends. As a matter of fact, that's kind of the average across America today. The average, just get to the, cut the chase and get to the bottom, one in four people say they have nobody to talk to. Matter of fact, the average person today, and it's kind of a hard number to judge and get to know, but the average person today, the last research was found, had two friends. Two people. When life got really tough, that they could call. And you know what? I look around and I think, yeah, that's about right. You see, a lot of times we get deceived by the social media. We'll see how many friends we have on Facebook. And I don't know, some of you may have thousands I think mine's around seven, close to 700 or so friends on Facebook. How many has more than that? I know some of you have more than that. I've seen it. How many of you have? How many, how many by 800? Hold your hand up. 800? 900? 1,000? Nobody? 900? 1,000? Hold it up high so I can see. We got one here. Thigh. How many friends you got? 1,500 yeah, that's cool, though. Nothing wrong with that. I think it's great. I try to use Facebook as a ministry and, and really reach out to folks as much as I can. Nothing wrong with that. But for all of us, sometimes, especially with Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all these other social networks that try to keep us connected, sometimes we really think we have more and more friends than what we really have. In all reality, I don't know that all of those will really be there when you really need them. Now, they can give you a word of counsel via the social network. And that's a tremendous tool. I do, I do a ton of counseling. 
and different things through Facebook. Nothing wrong with that. But I think a lot of times we deceive ourselves. The Bible says that we're to be caring for one another. We're to love one another. The book of Galatians says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And guys, we need to take the time to get to know the names of those people around us. Third thing we see that our Lord did, not only did he pay attention to those around him, not only did he take time to know the names when he called Zacchaeus by name, the third thing we learn from our Lord in reaching the unchurched or unbelievers is how we need to schedule time to fellowship with those around us. Schedule time to fellowship with those around us. I want you to look what Jesus did, the latter part of verse 5. Zacchaeus, hurry down, because today I must stay at your house. And so he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to what? What did they do? All who saw it began to complain. And look what it says. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. Wow. This is our Lord. You know what he did? He took time to fellowship with an unbeliever. Friends, let me ask you, when's the last time you've taken an unbeliever out to dinner? And intentionally, just to get to know them better, so you can build a relationship with them. You see, as I shared last week, and I know this is a problem in our church. I know it's a problem in my life, and I intentionally try to break out of this. It's hard a lot of times. But sometimes, you know, we accept Christ. We come to church. We get to know different families in the church. They become almost closer to us than our, family, our immediate family. And, and it seems like the only fellowship we ever really do is with those in the church. Now, that's healthy. Nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only fellowship we ever do, I say there may be something wrong with that. Hello? Y'all looking at me kind of funny this morning. Now, understand. The application is we must be willing to go to them, into their homes, into their culture, into their circles, while still being separate in our actions. Now, listen, listen clearly. I'm saying go interact with unchurched and unbelievers. I am saying go build a relationship with them. I am saying schedule time to fellowship with them. Listen, I am not saying... And I've got this in big, bold, underlined, highlighted in my notes so that I would not forget it. I am not saying. Everybody say, he is not saying. Say it again. He is not saying. Say it again. He is not. Man, y'all are horrible at interacting. He is not saying go and partake in their sinful activities. I am not saying that. Listen, there is a movement coming up through Baptist churches. There is a movement coming up through Baptist churches where they believe it's okay to go hang out in the bars and the honky-tonks and the sinful places and kick back a few beers, smoke a few cigars, party around a little bit, but somewhere along the line we're going to talk about Jesus, and that's their form of advantage. Listen, I am not saying that's okay. Understand what I'm saying. I am not saying. Listen, you'd be amazed. Matter of fact, I listen to a pastor that's big in that movement. I subscribe to his podcast just so I can get an inside take to what's taking place in that movement. 
You know what you'll hear this preacher doing in the pulpit? You'll hear him cursing. Matter of fact, I follow his blog. I'm a Twitter friend of his and a Facebook friend of his. And I watch him. I watch some of the posts he makes. He's using vulgar language. I mean vile. Dropping the F-bomb. Are you with me? I'm talking about Sunday morning in the pulpit. I'm talking about on Facebook. I'm talking about on Twitter. He's going to the places. He's partying, hanging out, having some beers. Just so he can tell somebody about Jesus. Listen, friends, I am not into that kind of evangelism, nor do I believe our Lord would approve that type of evangelism. Somebody ought to say amen louder because I get scorned a little bit for not doing that. Hello? I am not saying go get involved in a sinful person's life and practice and take part in their sinful activities just to share Jesus with them. Someone say he is not saying that. What I am saying is go build a relationship, take them out to a steakhouse. Take them to a restaurant. Invite them to your house. Play board games at your house with them. Invite them over. Bring them kind of into your environment, but fellowship with them. Hello? Fact. Jesus went into the house of Zacchaeus and fellowshiped with him. Question. Did Jesus partake in his sinful activities. Did he? No. Guys, that's how we do it. We interact with unbelievers. We interact with the unchurched. We're not, listen, we're not to come in here. The Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. But you know what we've become? We've become salt sellers. I mean, we bring the salt in and we mound it up and here it is in the church. We've got this tremendous salt pile in the, and that's not where it's supposed to be. The Bible says that we are to be fishers of men. You know what we've become? Keepers of aquariums. Are you with me? Go out there. Interact with unbelievers. On your circle of influence, I hope there are some friends. I hope there, and if there's relatives, definitely get to them. But I hope there are some friends, maybe co-workers, maybe acquaintances, maybe neighbors that you know that they're lost. You know they don't know Christ. I hope and pray that you'll pick up the phone sometime and you'll invite them over or you'll get together with them or you'll fellowship, interact with them. Guys, we've got to do that. If Listen, if we don't do that and share the gospel with them, my question is, who is? I'm I'm thankful. That somebody invested in me when I was lost. Aren't you? Come on now. So we need to schedule some time. Matter of fact, it says in bottom part of verse number six, or seven that all or verse seven says all who saw it began to complain. He's going to lodge with a sinful man. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me back to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter number nine in verse nine through thirteen. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to notice who Jesus would fellowship with. Not only his disciples. We know that many times he calls his his disciples apart and he ministered to them and and studied with them and prayed with them together, almost like in, in the little church there. But we also know that he had another element of his ministry. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. And as Jesus went on on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. 
And verse 10, And while he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came as guests to eat with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What's our Lord's response? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but what? Sinners. I think the point's well taken. We need to schedule some time and fellowship with the unchurched and unbelievers. The fourth thing we need to do, jot this down. We need to share the gospel message with them. Share the gospel message with them. And that's what we see our Lord doing over in verses 8 down through verse number 10. Zacchaeus stood there in Luke 19 and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. And Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house. And Jesus told him, Because he too is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was or is lost. The point is, guys, we must be willing to share with unbelievers and the unchurched what thus saith the Lord. Jesus said salvation's come to your house today. What's he talking about? He's talking about himself. He's sharing the gospel plan of salvation with Zacchaeus. And, guys, we've got to do that same thing. We've got to come to the place where we realize there are people all around us that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. Some believe the world's going to end in 2012. I don't know. There's a conspiracy going around everywhere about that. Maybe you've read that, seen the movies. Nobody knows. I, my first, when people ask me about that, my first response is to that, nobody knows. Don't put a lot of stock in what the movies are, don't put a lot of stock in what the movies are saying. What I do know this, he may come before 2012. He may come tomorrow. He may come right now. Hello? Our job is to be ready. And we need to learn how to share the gospel. You see, Victory Church exists to call people to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the, one of the reasons we exist as a church. Now, let me ask you this. Are you comfortable at sharing the gospel? When you look at your circle of influence, you look at your immediate family, you look at your relatives, you look at your co-workers and your neighbors, you look at your acquaintances, you look at all of those people that are in your circle of influence, are you comfortable with sharing the gospel with them? Are you confident in sharing the gospel with them? Do you know what to say? Do you know how to pray? Do you know what scripture to use? I mean, do you really know how to lead someone to Christ? Listen, guys, if we're going to reach the unchurched, we got to do more than say, I'll call the office and see if Pastor John can meet with you. I mean, I'll be glad to meet with anybody I can meet with. But there comes a point when we need to know how to share the gospel. So here's what I want you to do. Put up the next slide, if you will, please. On the back of your connection card right now, on your connection card or on your bulletin, we're going to be offering class 401. This is our evangelism, discovering your mission class. This is going to be a class that, that we're going to help you. We're going to help you get confident in sharing the gospel. When are we having this class? January the 30th. The last Sunday of this month, two hours from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the last Sunday of this month at the church office, I personally am going to teach this class. I want to teach you how you can become very comfortable 
and very confident in sharing your faith and leading someone in a prayer of repentance with your family members, your, your, your extended family, your co-workers, your neighbors, your acquaintances. Listen, guys, if we don't learn how to do this, who else is going to be doing it? And there's far too many people out there. I can't do everything. I can't do it all. We all need to be doing it, okay? I want to help equip you. I want to help train you. I want to get you to the place where you can do this on the job, at home. Listen, many of you are parents, and your children are going to be asking questions. The greatest thrill I had in my life was leading my son and my daughter to the Lord. Deb and I were able to do that for our children. We knew how to share the gospel. That's the greatest privilege that a parent could ever have, I believe, is to be able to lead their own children to Christ. Now, being a pastor, I got to baptize them both, too. And that was a thrill as well. But the point is, listen, if for no other reason your children one day will ask you about Jesus, do you? Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life, if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. That's victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.